the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He is called the Morning Star. And as we close out our look at Revelation, we'll spend the next couple of days looking at the Morning Star. Join us for Abounding Grace. Pastor Kerry Wagner, coming up next. the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, we welcome you to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner has been on a marvelous journey through Revelation, and we're coming towards the end of this amazing book. And as we do, we find ourselves in chapter 22. And for the next couple of days, we'll spend our time looking at the morning star, the significance of Christ as our all in all. You know, at the end of the age, we know what will happen, and we know where things will stand, and Jesus will be at the center of it all. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Last week, as we looked at Revelation 21, 22 through chapter 22, 9, we saw that the redeemed church of the present is a picture of the perfected church in the future. In other words, whatever is said of the church of God in perfection at the return of Christ and thereafter is in some sense true of the church right now, today. The imagery that is used in these chapters tells us something about the church as it is now in part. But when the new heavens and new earth are perfected, then what we experience now in part shall be experienced in full. So the redeemed church of the present, of which you and I are a part, is a picture of the redeemed universe in the future. Now the great kingdom, the holy house of God, the new heavens and new earth, is making its way through history and continues to develop progressively until it is perfected at the second coming of Christ. So what we have in Revelation 21 and 22 is a picture of the accomplishments of God's grace in Christ in time and history and also perfectly at the end of history. And remember in chapter 21, verse 1, when it tells us about a new heavens and a new earth, those words for new do not mean new in the sense of not existing before, or, yeah, not existing before. But it is the Greek word that means renewed or refurbished, perfected. So the new heavens and the new earth have already begun embryonically. And it happened at the first coming of Christ. Now, they are gradually and progressively advancing until they reach perfection in the second coming of Christ. Then we looked at a number of 
metaphorical verses that show us how glorious the new heavens and the new earth will be at Christ's second coming. For instance, in chapter 21, verse 22, we see that the temple of the Old Testament and the Holy of Holies, where the glory of God dwelt with His people, will be the entire universe in the new heavens and the new earth. Then we are told there will be no night there. No darkness. And we saw in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, that no darkness means there will be no unclean thing there, such as promiscuity or sensuality. There'll be no strife, no darkness, only righteousness. There will be no night, only peace and safety. We're also told that there will be no sun and no moon to shine. Upon it. So, does that actually mean that there will be no sun and no moon? No, remember, this is a renewed heavens and earth. So, you should fully expect the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the other planets to be there in total perfection. It's not that they won't be there for us to admire and enjoy along with the rest of the renewed universe. But there's no other purpose for the sun and the moon then. For in heaven, there will be the shining brilliance and splendor of God that fills the entire universe. That makes the sun and the moon look like they are nothing compared to the brightness of the glory of Almighty God. But notice the most wonderful thing at all, of all about the new heavens and the new earth in verse 3 of chapter 22. There will be no more curse. And the Lamb of God will be seated on His throne for us to fellowship with for an eternity. And all we put our hands to, it says, will be in His service. And all of this began 2,000 years ago with the birth of Christ who came to redeem all of His created order. And it will progress through history until His second coming at the end of history. History will flow right in to the new heavens and the new earth. What a glorious future for the church. We will never stop worshiping. We'll never stop serving. We will never stop learning and discovering. We will work hard throughout all eternity, but we will not grow tired or weary. Then one more amazing thing before we move to the conclusion of this most outstanding book. In verses 6 through 9, we see several persons attesting to the authority of the truth of the book of Revelation. And beloved, that must be read and understood. We actually see first in Revelation 1.1 that God himself gives testimony that this book is more than the words of men. This book is the word of God. And just because there are places where it's difficult to understand, it should never be neglected. As Christians, we're called to understand The whole word of God. Then we see that Jesus Christ attests to its authority. And John the Apostle, 
who authored the book as the mouthpiece of Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit, backed by Christ himself, said, I testify to the divine authority of this book along with the angels in heaven. So after four testimonies of that caliber, I believe it is essential that we give every effort to study, obey, believe, and understand the book of Revelation. Now in verses 10 through 15, there's a final call to enter the city of God. One final call, one last pleading to the people who read this book to enter the holy city by faith and repentance. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Now, I want you to compare that with chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 4. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book you have just written until the end of time. Now, back in Revelation 22, verse 10, he said, To me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. In other words, God said to Daniel, Seal this book, because what you have just written is nowhere near being completed and fulfilled. The end of time is not at hand. But now he makes the exact opposite statement to John, and he says, John, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. These things are about to take place. Verse 11. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. So here you see with this, Revelation pretends to now. It begins to take place in the first century. And what we have read in the book of Revelation is already in progress and will keep advancing until the second coming of Christ. And the destinies of the people now, until the end of time, are not irreversible. And repentance, of course, is the key. The righteous stand in opposition to the unrighteous even now. These words are clearly meant as an encouragement to believers throughout history. Although evil continues to pursue its way, let them carry on and be held as unrighteous by all but... The last word is not with the wicked. So let men repent while they may. If a person refuses to repent and continues in his evil until death, he will be evil throughout all eternity. If a person does wrong until he dies or until the second coming, he will do wrong forever. He will never change. And if one is filthy on this side of the grave, he will still be filthy after death. And the one who is righteous and practices righteousness shall do so throughout eternity. And the one who keeps himself holy shall always be holy. But there are no second chances after death. After death, there is an irreversible destiny of these who do not repent and an irreversible destiny for those who do. So repent. 
and enter the holy city now. You see, that is the point. And here's another reason in verse 12 why you should enter the city now and not wait. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. The judge is coming. The judge is on his way to judge all men and to render to every man what he is due. So enter the city now. It is the only way to protect yourself from the judgment of this perfectly righteous judge. And he says, he is coming presently, continually. I keep on coming. You'll see the great testimony to my intervention into history and my destruction of Jerusalem with my Roman armies in 70 AD. And I am going to continue to do that throughout all history until the wicked are put down once and for all. And the universe becomes a place where only the righteous dwells. In verse 13, you see another reason to enter the holy city now. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am reigning right now, past, present, future. Everything is under my control. I am eternally present and sovereign in every moment of history. Have you, have you noticed how neither John nor Jesus in the book of Revelation tire of emphasizing the sovereignty of God? They never tire of it. They continuously bring it up from the first words to the last. Do you ever get tired of hearing about the sovereignty of God? Do you ever get tired of hearing about the sovereignty of Christ? Some may say, Oh, I wish we heard a little bit more about human responsibility and free will and, you know, all of those things. But neither John nor Jesus ever tired of emphasizing the fact that Jesus reigns. But how many churches preach that today? Then in verse 14, another reason. Now, the King James Version and the New American Standard Version have two entirely different translations here. The King James Version is, ver is based on the Greek text that they had back in the 16th century. And the New American Standard Version is based on a newer Greek text. Here is what the New American Standard Version says. Blessed are those who wash their robe. That's present tense. Keep on washing that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. So all of those who continually wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb through confession of their sins and faith in Christ as their Savior have a right to all the things that God has in His church and His kingdom that sustain life, that advances this eternal life, which he has given us and everyone who washes his clothes white in the blood of the lamb through constant confession of their sins shall enter the gates into the city. Now, here's what the King James Version says. First, I'm going to read the New American Standard Version again, which says, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. 
The King James Version says, Blessed are they that do his, that is God's commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. You see the difference? Now, is the King James Version wrong and the New American Standard Version right or vice versa? No, both are actually right. If someone is washing his white, his robes, what? <clears throat> excuse me, robes white in the blood of the Lamb through faith in Christ as his Savior and has faith in his death and in his own confession of his sins, he is going to show that in obedience to God's commandments every day of his life. So the point is, those who trust and obey have the right to the tree of life. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, the New American Standard Version, and obey His commandments, the King James Version, have the right to the tree of life, which again is everything the Holy Spirit uses to sustain our eternal life and to enter that holy city. So therefore, beloved, enter it. Do not put it off. Why? Another reason, verse 15. The persistently impenitent are damned forever. The dogs are outside, outside the city, where all of these wonderful things are. What's outside the city? Darkness. Eternal death. Outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral person and the murderers and the adulterers and everyone who loves and practices lying. You see, there is the clearest division between the impenitent and the penitent. Only those who repent enter the city. All non-repenters are excluded and denied citizenship. You know, this is a great verse to give those evangelicals who don't believe repentance is a part of the free offer of the gospel. When I was much younger, a woman I worked with attended a Billy Graham crusade. And she told me the next day, all excited, that she was now saved. I asked her, so do you have a godly sorrow for your sins against God? And she asked, what do you mean? What does that have to do with asking Jesus into my heart? So I asked her, why did you ask Jesus into your heart? She said, so that she could be saved. I asked her, saved from what? She paused for a minute, and a light came on. So I explained to her that she really couldn't be saved, because as Luke 13.3 says, without repentance, no one can be saved. So I took the time to explain the full gospel. And with her crying, she accepted Christ as her Savior and Lord. But you see, the problem is that so many believers do not tell the unbeliever about repentance until they are supposedly already saved. But there is no salvation without repentance. So here is a clear verse that again makes repentance the key to salvation. 
Now let me explain one thing here. Outside the city of God are the dogs and the sorcerers. The first meaning of sorcery in most Greek lexicons refers to drug users, and it's not talking about medical drugs. It's talking about drugs used for pleasure or to escape God's reality. This is the first meaning of the word sorcerer, the illegitimate use of drugs. Now, what about dogs? That is a metaphor in the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 23, a dog was a male homosexual. That is God's word for homosexual males, dogs. God obviously has a very low view of them. No dog shall be inside the city. No impenitent homosexual who brandishes his homosexuality shall ever enter the city of God unless they repent of their homosexuality. Then in Philippians 3, Paul said a dog was a Judaizer of the first century who said you had to be circumcised and follow all of the ceremonial laws of Israel in order to become a Christian. In other words, salvation by works. He calls those who believe in salvation by Jewish ceremony and works dogs that maim and defile the gospel. And outside the holy city are all of these evil things. They cannot enter in. Then in verse 16, you have a final reminder of this triumphant Christ. And in this verse, Jesus says something about himself that he has not said about himself before. And he is describing himself in terms of one going forth to conquer. He is the victor, always conquering. The one riding the white horse. And now you have these precious words. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I, Jesus... Don't forget that this great, triumphant, transcendent Christ is the humble Jesus of Nazareth. When you hear what, what German theologians and other liberals say today, they drive a wedge between Christ of the true faith and the Jesus of history. Those who preach the Christ of history say, the Christ of the true faith, with all of his miracles and redemption, was just made up by those who taught the Christ of faith. They said, there never was a person who was a miracle worker and redeemer, who raised from the dead and who ascended to God's right hand. That's the line of the liberals, beloved. They say that was all made up by the church. So they drive a wedge between the Christ of faith and the Jesus of history. The Jesus of history was this, just this Galilean wise man who was simply a loving man. But he was not supernatural and certainly was not God in any sense. But you see, that does not fit with this verse. 
I, Jesus, the all-conquering divine Christ, is the Jesus of history. I have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches, for I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. He's giving one last remembrance of his dominion. He is not only the offspring of David. That is, he is not only David's de- the descendant and the fulfillment of prophecy, but he is David's root. He is not only human as the offspring of David. He is divine. He is the root, the origin of David, and the whole history of the covenant of Abraham and all of God's people. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 